Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. My name is Ray, like the lovely lady said, and it is February 19th. Man, these days are just like plowing by. Pretty soon we'll be in March and just marching right along through 2018. And, you know, fortunately enough, I haven't made the error of signing a check 2017 yet. And now I probably just jinxed myself. Um, Well, I'm in the studio uh, by myself tonight. Ellen um, has been able to grace us with her presence on the line, but she's feeling a little under the weather, and um, she needed to call in from home to stay close to her comfort zone, I guess. Hi, Ellen. How are you? <laughs> I've been better, but I'm, I'm glad to be on. Well, you know, you need to make sure you drink a lot of fluids and all of that stuff that they say, because that they're saying that, or, or I've, I've read that, like, the flu is killing people uh, this year. Yeah, it really is. Well, my son had this a little over a week ago, and I thought it was going to kill him. And now, right? Kind of, oh, that's right. You told me that. Yeah, you told yeah, me that. He, you were actually yeah. had to go to the hospital. He was so sick. Yeah. Well, just I, I don't get don't, it that badly, thank God. But you know, I just ugh, it's awful. Yeah. And well, don't tough it out. Do it. Do what's necessary, and make sure you do the right thing, and get yourself to the hospital if that's what's needed. Oh, no worries. Believe me. Uh, and I need to let everyone in the listening audience know, David Essel has graced us with his presence yet again. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, Ray. Great to be back with you. And um, knowing that next time we hear Ellen, she'll be on top of the world, but it's a bear to go through while they're in the middle of it. I do know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like, we, we were joking before uh, before we went on the air, and, you know, I, I seriously wouldn't wish sickness on, on anyone. I, I know that I, you know, I have a high tolerance to pain when it comes to other things, but when, my, when I don't feel good, uh, my world just seems to be a little chaotic and scattered because, I, you know what I mean? Uh, so I, I don't wish that on anyone. No, but yeah, you know what? I mean, since this is a show of, of recovery, that's how a lot of us felt many days during the week, months, and years. Absolutely, and I think that's probably why I don't like that feeling because it it gets too. It's even you know after twenty nine years of being clean and sober, it's still a familiar uncomfortability with me, and and you know I I, I embrace it, and I and I you know, enjoy it for what it is, if you want to say enjoy, but I mean, I recognize it for what it is, but it still makes me feel a little bit other than, and that's where I, uh, have the issue. Yeah. You know, just, uh, my, my session, just before I came on with you guys, of course, you know, for the audience that may not be aware, I'm a counselor and a life coach for 28 years. And just before my last session, before I'm joining Ray and Ellen here, uh, was a woman that I worked with three years ago, and um, we worked together and helped her get sober uh, from alcohol. And, and then three years later, she's back. She's got some new goals she wants me to work with her on, life purpose and some other things. And and she was recounting the days when she first started working with me about how three or four days of the week she would just wake up in a bad mood because of alcohol, drinking the night before, 
that she had terrible intimate relationships. She had a horrendous relationship with her family. You know, like there just wasn't a part of her life that was going well. And just as she was talking about how she used to wake up feeling under the weather three or four days a week, you know, and, and that's that flu stuff. I mean, you know, you know, the, the other day I was listening to um, a, a radio show and they were talking about the day after the Super Bowl. They were calling it the Super Bowl flu, which yeah. I had never heard of. I mean, in all the years of doing this work, right, I had never heard that the day after the Super Bowl is the most called in sick day of the year. I had no idea. Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's obviously, you know, for a good reason, people drinking too much and, 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 you know, carousing too much and then waking up and saying, there's no way I can tolerate eight hours behind a desk or behind a car or behind a truck or whatever they're doing. Um, <clears throat> but that's the feeling, you know, that feeling of being miserable. Nothing sounds good. Nothing feels good. Humor isn't funny. Sarcasm isn't funny. I mean, the flu is just like what we used to live with in addiction. You know, and and also the thing about that is, is, you know, we talk about, you know, when we have you on about, you know, your, your books and and different um, aspects of of recovering. And, you know, one of the things that we spoke about even just up to last week was the unconscious uh, subconscious uh, thought process, yeah. uh, subconscious mind. And it very well possibly could be that when you are experiencing the flu, your subconscious memory brings back those not so happy times. And that's why a lot of people experience, um, you know, like say the Super Bowl flu, you know, because they they were related. And then that, you know, like depending on what team that you were rooting for, you may not even had to have been, you know, drinking alcohol or anything like that, but your system is going 900 miles an hour. I know sometimes when I watch the Bruins on TV, I'm going 900 miles an hour and I'm I'm yelling at the TV when they score a goal and after the game it's like there's a letdown. Mhm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I am um as I think probably many of your listeners Ray reflecting back to the many days of the flu. Uh, when there was no flu, it was many days of waking up and, and just going, damn it all. What the hell am I doing? Okay. That's it. That's it. I'm not going down that, that road again, only to return the next day or three or four days later. And, and this is a great time for us to reflect for people listening to the show about reflect with us, you know, about those days and how good Mm -hmm. it feels right now to not be under that influence and worrying about tomorrow, having to get up and, and take care of the kids or do all the kinds of stuff that when we are using is a pain in the butt. Um, and for the people that, that aren't yet there, that as you say, you and Ellen say at the end of the show, you know, that this show is about hope mm-hmm. and, you know, try to grasp the idea that being without that, while in the beginning can be challenging, whatever quote that is, being without it offers so many incredible opportunities to explore and live a brand new life that you may not have had since you were a teen or younger or 30, 40, 50 years, for God's sake. No, true. Ellen, share a little bit about um, 
your side of the fence with with that as well because like we like we can you know lovingly say that we had drugs and alcohol to be able to bring us to this flu-like symptom the day after whereas a family member who is chasing a loved one um doesn't have the you know have anything to be able to blame it on other than to their loved one well kind of falls into two categories. One is the fixer, which is kind of the role that I took. I, I was going to fix this. I mm-hmm. thought I could. Um, you know, I, I knew all about health care. And what I learned over many, many, many years is that, no, I can't fix this. But it turns into despair. Um, it turns into terrible fear. It turns into depression. And eventually, if you're lucky, acceptance, it doesn't mean you like it because most of the time, you know, when someone's in active addiction, everything sucks. It just does. It colors your world, especially, I think, if it's your child because no matter what, you know, you're tied to your child. Right. And probably a parent as well. I've I've not experienced that, but, you know, I know people who have, and that's, you know, it's pretty awful to grow up in the disease. I think, um, but yeah, like you said, most people that I know don't drink or drug at all just because of what's happened within their families. Mm-hmm. And we actually, um, my son told me today there was a kid down the street that he used to hang out with. And Ellen, Ellen, can I, yeah, Ellen, can I, can I stop? Can I stop you for a second? Sure. Um, can you, can you hang up and call back in? Oh, you can you hear me? No, all it's right. you, you're, you're, you're popping. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So, so David, what do you what do you do? I know, I know you you work with all aspects of people seeking self help. Um, when you are, I'm sure that in your in your journey, you have dealt with families who have been going through growing pains of addiction and and recovery and all of that. And what is your, or what is the best route to take with someone on both that, that plays it on, on opposite sides of the fence, like, like us being the active addict and alcoholic and our loved ones who are dealing with the damage that we are, you know, that, that we are sowing through our, uh, journey. How do you, how do you address with the same family member, the two different aspects of what it is that, how it's affecting them or how it's affected them? Ray, it's it's a beautiful question. Right now I'm working with a 16 year old and I've been working with him for about the past four months. Heavily was heavily involved with different forms of drugs and alcohol, tearing the mm-hmm. family apart. And of course, you know the parents are are coming to me before I started working with the child. They're coming to me. They're explaining what's going on. And of course, they're harried. They're frustrated. They're nervous. They're anxious. They're mad. They're every emotion in the book. And one of the things, and 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 just to fast forward and tell you the great news is, after four months of working with this 16 year old. He's back to A's and B's in school. He's not using at all. And, um, and he, was try- he was flunking out. So the turnaround in four months has been phenomenal. But what I say to the parents, number one, is try not to ever use logic in understanding your child or your partner's addiction. Logic has no use in the world of addiction because addiction does not work by logic. And no, not at all. 
you know, that is one of the most important things as a counselor that we try to get to the husband or the wife or the mom or the dad or the sister or the brothers or the boyfriend or the girlfriend, when they are the, on, on the outside and they're not the ones with the addiction, they may have the addiction of codependency because they might be the enabler, as Alan was saying, but mm-hmm. they, and they're going, why don't they just stop? They, they wake up and they feel like crap. We can't find them. They're out all night chasing some drug or alcohol down. You know, like, why don't they just, that doesn't make sense. And that's what I say to them. You cannot use logic. Log, addiction doesn't make sense. So let's throw that out the window. And as I can help a parent or, or someone that isn't the addict, as I can help them understand that using logic from your perspective will never give you the understanding of what the addict or alcohol mm-hmm. alcoholic is going through. Ray, it's probably one of the greatest tools we have is to say when you want to escape reality, when you're hurting, which we believe in all the books that we write, we believe the number one cause of addiction is that we are running from something. We, we feel terrible about ourselves. We have low self-confidence, low self-esteem. We're angry. We are resentful. We, we are filled with boredom. We're filled with shame. We're lost. We don't have a purpose in life. And, and now that, let me ask uh, you, let me ask you a question. Let me, let me stop you right there because that kind of, that kind of throws like a, a, a question in, in my mind. When, when do, do you think that, and you know, from what you just said about we're running from something, do you think that when we innocently tried alcohol for the first time or marijuana or whatever it was, um, do you think that that insecure piece of us grabbed onto that and ran with it at that point, like that insecurity was in there already? Or do you think we worked ourselves up to that point and then became, through the use and abuse, that insecure individual that ran crazy? Well, I think the answer to that is usually in the beginning, if if we're doing it with other people, it's usually peer pressure that probably gets 75% of people to use something. Now, the, the definition of peer pressure is someone with low self-confidence and low self-esteem. Okay? That's what peer mm-hmm. pressure. If, if you have high confidence and high self-esteem, peer pressure would never get you to do something that you didn't want to do. But peer pressure works perfectly, Ray, with someone that doesn't have the confidence they need or the self-esteem they need. So, Number one, I'm going to divide this your, the question into two, two groups. Number one is that peer pressure is normally the way most people start. However, if someone were to start by mom and dad is gone, the babysitter's on the phone with, with her boyfriend, and I'm going to go and open up this liquor cabinet and see what they're drinking and taste it, that can be curiosity and mm-hmm. escapism. You know, a child that starts drinking out of mom and dad's liquor cabinet, they're curious, number one, because they see mom and dad drinking every night or every weekend. Right, right. They want to see see what it's all about. But on the subconscious level, they could also be trying to escape from their own boredom or the lack of attention mom and dad is giving them or the babysitter or whoever it is. So, But I think, you know, in in our work uh, about, Ray, about 75% of people that go on to addiction – they get involved with it because of low self-esteem and confidence that makes peer pressure a almost impossible thing to say no to. 
That makes sense. That make that makes that makes a lot of sense. You know, and and because the reason why I asked that was is because the the addict in me knows exactly why I am where I am. I, I you know what I mean, and and I totally agree with what you said. But sometimes the belligerent little guy on my shoulder likes to always say, "Well, that's not why I was here." The most commonsensical path was the one that you described for me. You know, I, I don't want to say that I was insecure. I don't want to say that I was, you know, trying to be a people pleaser. I don't want to say that. But that's that's the addiction in me still trying to get me after all of these years. You know, I mean you 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 put it back, you put it behind you, but you know, and, and you go on with your life, but these little isms still popping up pop up to remind me you can always revert back to that behavior if you choose not to keep on the path that you're on. Well, let me tell you one of the most shocking things that I found out in the world of recovery for myself. You know, I mean, for, God, what's it been now, 30, 38 years that I've been in the world of, of personal growth, you know, started out in health and fitness. I used to travel mm-hmm. the world in the 80s. Um, I travel all over the world doing lectures at huge fitness conventions. And everywhere I went, I drank heavily. I mean, I, I, I drank excessively every night of my life. And I was on stage, you know, speaking in front of thousands of people on a weekly basis, which um, to the outside world says, you've got to have more confidence, more higher self-esteem than 99% of the population. And I believe that of myself. Uh-huh. I believe that I was probably one of the most confident people because, you know, pull the Gallup poll every couple of years still comes out with what's the greatest fear of Americans that is above death. It's the fear of public speaking. Oh, wow. America. Yeah. Americans rank public speaking higher than they fear death. Okay. So here I am making a living traveling 40 weeks a year as a speaker I, and I used to say to myself in my own internal dialogue that I must be the most confident man on the planet because I'll fly to Germany. I don't know German. I'll have a translator on the stage with me, and I will rock that audience for two straight hours. So how couldn't I be confident, right? But the reality was, Ray, I had outrageously low self-confidence and low self-esteem because I had to drink myself to sleep 365 days a year. Right. If I went to the, you know, every place that I would go to speak, they would have cocktail parties for the speakers and all that kind of stuff. I would have to drink a half a bottle or even sometimes a bottle of wine in my hotel room just to go to the event. Right. Just to get yourself primed to, to, to get ready to deceive yourself in in full self-confidence. Yeah. Right. Right. We, um, now we call it social anxiety disorder, but uh-huh. back then, that's not what we called it. Right. Right. Well, let's, let's hang on that word, social anxiety disorder. We're about ready to go to a break, and we have maybe about 10 more minutes with you after we come back. Five. So let's go to a break real quick, and we'll talk a little bit about social anxiety disorder. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent, inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that'll help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, we're back on the air with David Essel and Ellen Arnold. Ellen isn't feeling too good, so she's not in the studio. And we left on the words social anxiety disorder. But before we go back to that, I want to I wanna break away just a little bit and ask Josh to come on the air. Josh is our board operator, our board engineer, who was David's board engineer for a show that he did a few years ago. Share a little bit about how David made you happy when you were coming to work on Saturday mornings. David is excellent. I used to be his board op when he was running a show, and uh, it would make my every Saturday, just the positive messages he was giving out and it just—it was great listening to him every day. I remember uh, at the time it was right after Muhammad Ali had passed, and he had a guest that came on and just gave these amazing stories about growing up and going to the gym where Muhammad Ali was. Just it, every single show was a great, great, great experience. Great, awesome, thanks, Josh. I just you know something, and the thing is, is that this is what this is the message that David brings to our audience as well. We I get I get feedback saying you know like my my sister texts me like 
consistently during the show, I love David, I love David, I love David. Hey, hey, <laughs> get over it already, will you? But <laughs> no, 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 no. Ray, you can't have too much of that. Tell your sister she's doing great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So back to social anxiety disorder. Ellen had a question during the break. Um, well, about... one of the things that David said during the break was that he has a friend who's a physician who is seeing a lot more social anxiety disorder or patients with social anxiety disorder. And my question is, is this something new or is it just something that we're starting to recognize more, yes. um, you know, that people suffer from? You know, it's a great question. I, I, it's something that obviously has been around. So the, the main cause of social anxiety disorder, just like addiction, is a lack of confidence and self-esteem. Um, and, and, and that's really what makes people like, you know, myself, before I would go to, uh, you know, a cocktail party that I had to have three drinks before I walked out the door because I didn't have the confidence of small talk. I didn't have, the, I didn't have a lot of confidence, even though I projected massive confidence. It wasn't true confidence. Um, so I think that a lot of people are affected by it. One thing that, that, that my doctor and I were talking about today is that he started, because he's in Florida and I'm in Florida, he was saying that, you know, there's this huge increase of social anxiety disorder with an older population, which is the first time he's seen it. But I said to him, you know what, that makes sense. And let me tell you why. Number one, older population, meaning 70 plus, 65, 70 plus. Number one, many of them have retired. They've lost their purpose in life. They wake up every day without having to go to work, having to do certain things. They've got all this time on their hands. If they haven't found a purpose for their second phase in life, they can start drinking more. They can start doing, and, and if they're not drinking more to cover it up, it might be the first time that they realize they're not as confident as they thought they once were. That, that was point number one I brought to him. The second point I brought is mortality. You know, in our 70s and 80s, people start to see the failing of the body, the eyes, the ears. You know, we start to see. And so I think understanding that we're mortal and that there are friends of ours dying and relatives are dying and we don't have anyone left. Mom and dad's gone. You know, we start to see that our time could be very limited which is another example that can create social anxiety disorder, is that we're starting to see how fragile life is. It's starting to click. It's getting scary. But my only concern, and I think Alan was sort of going through this off the break, and, and Alan, correct me if I'm wrong, is that sometimes when, a, like when ADD came out and was official, well, <laughs> over the years, there's so many kids put on medication that don't need it. Now, I... With social anxiety disorder, the number one prescribed drug for it is Xanax. Xanax is one of the most highly addictive forms of anti-anxiety medication in the world. And, you know, if you want to look at what's the most powerful anti-anxiety drug that you can get over the counter, it's nicotine. So mm. from cigarettes to vaping we have people that could be masking this anxiety disorder because they're self-medicating on a daily basis. Does all that make sense, guys? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. I know, and, and you see a lot of people who, who have been uh, like, like um, 
have medical, um, yeah, right. Who, who I'm, I don't want to say mentally ill, but people who are medically incapacitated, they smoke like fiends. And maybe that's what it is, is they're, they're trying to bring down their anxiety level by smoking. Oh, absolutely. And it works. Let me tell you something. And that's, that's one of my big concerns about teens with vaping. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, good, good news is, is that right now in the United States of America, we are at the lowest level ever of teenage smokers. I mean, it's, well, right now there's 20% of American men that smoke on a regular basis. 14% of, of American women still smoke on a regular. That, that means almost daily, if not daily, regular basis. But we're down to like below the 10% mark with teens who are smoking on a regular basis, but they don't have the statistics with vaping. Oh, okay, right. And that's uh, a big thing. And and nicotine being that powerful anti-anxiety drug. Well, you know, when you look at teens who smoke, every teen who smokes, once they get hooked, I will tell you that that nicotine is taking away that fear edge it takes away boredom. It takes away any emotion that you don't want to feel. It is just as powerful as Xanax when it comes to an anti-anxiety drug. It's wild. And it's also just as, as, just as hard to kick as, as heroin. It has almost the same chemical makeup, minus one number or something. Yeah, well, and the other thing is that's so you know, incredible about trying to kick with cigarettes that's a little even bit more difficult than heroin in some ways is that it is acceptable still. Socially acceptable, can, yeah. Yeah, you can still walk out. You can't necessarily walk out and, and shoot up in the parking lot, but you surely can walk out and light up in the parking lot. Right. Um, well, you know, well, but the um, difference is you don't really get high. Uh, well, no, I guess, you know something, when I smoked, if I didn't smoke for an extended period of time, and what I mean, like, you know, I, you have a couple of cigarettes an hour, if I went over an hour, I would feel a little bit of a sensation from it. Oh, when gosh. I very first started, I would get, I would get dizzy. <laughs> but, you know, once, once my body adjusted, I really didn't. It yeah, was just um, something to do. You know, like, I guess it, it is a social anxiety yeah. You know, some way to and, quell and, that because it was something to do, you know, so you don't just sit there looking like an idiot. So, so David, we're getting but, close to uh, the time where you need to uh, sign off. So yeah, I just yeah. want to thank you for coming on and um, go save that individual's life. <laughs> yes, we're, I'm jumping into a session. And for all of Ray's listeners, you know, I, I want to mention we've got a slew of books, our brand new one, Focus, Slay Your Goals, The Proven Guide to Huge Success. A Great Attitude and Profound Love is now available at our website, talkdavid.com. And if you go to the website and send us an email saying, I was listening to you on Ray's show with Ellen, and we pray Ellen feels better soon, my (laughs) office will set you up with a free 15-minute phone jumpstart counseling session. So if you just want to get 15 minutes on the phone with me and to jumpstart your life, Send us an email via talkdavid.com. My team will get back to you within 24 hours. Set up the time, and you and I can start to achieve your goals, whether it's sobriety or anything else in life you want to achieve. Awesome. Thanks for your time tonight again, David. And um, Yes, Ray and Ellen, always great to talk to you guys. I'll look forward to doing it again in the future. All right. Love you, brother. Okay. Love you guys. Bye now. All right. Bye. Bye.
Yeah, he's he's so uh, he's so uh, positive and upbeat, and I can I can understand he why really Josh. Is. He's just yeah, amazing. yeah, and and you know he has a he has a lot of knowledge, you know, and and to to the listening audience, fifteen minutes of your time speaking with David could change your world immensely. I remember when I was homeless, helpless, loveless, all the lesses in life and I was accepting that as a um, you know my cross to bear if I would have had somebody like David speak to me for 15 minutes maybe I could have thrown some things like into one folder and focused on that like he like he has in his book focus focus on that one individual thing to get you on a new journey and who's who's to say that that wouldn't have helped me so it's 15 minutes of your time it's free give him a call and you know he'll you you have heard from the different array of things that we speak to him about. He has a knowledge base that that's that's immense, and and he can only do anything but inject a little bit of positivity into your day or even into your life, you know. And um, you know, I'm grateful that we have the ability to be able to. I I, I texted him uh, 45 minutes before the show and said, call in. And somebody got back to me and said, he's got a half hour. Boom, we got him for the half hour. That's, that's, that's great. I, I love that connection to be able to bring him to our audience because I think he has a, an awesome positive message to go along with the flow of what we are trying to bring as well. You know, and I, I do want to mention that uh, I got the stats from last week's show, which was a David show. And we had a huge on-demand listenership this week. We had we had our common core, you know, United States, Ireland, um, England, China, Russia, you know, and a few, you know, a few scattered ones here and there. But the on-demand, when, once they hear David Essel come on, ah, then that's yeah, you know. So like and and I yeah, so to the replay then. Yes, and that's that's where a lot of our uh, we had Rob Kelly. He he had a big on demand uh, listenership as well. So you know, if you're not listening live, and you're hearing what we're saying now, that offer that David just said goes true to you as well. Everyone and anyone who is listening to the show, whether it be live or on demand, get in touch with talkdavid.com. And and get your fifteen minutes of of uh, speaking with them, and you know I I'm sure that I know for me when I'm on the radio by myself, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I feel a lot more comfortable when I have Ellen with me, even if she's on the phone, um, and when David's on or uh, another guest like Rob Kelly or some of the other guests that we've had, it just makes it a full circle uh, recovery program. And that's what we're trying to bring to you. And, and, you know, I just want to take a moment and speak directly to the addict and alcoholics who feels they have no way out. You know, trust me, I was there. 
you know, I, I know your, I feel your pain. Uh, you know, I, I have, fortunately not today, but I had splinters in my tail from sleeping on a park bench six blocks away from the house that I was raised in, you know. And um, like I said before, I was homeless, helpless, and loveless. And I took the drugs, and the drugs took me. They took me to places I didn't want to be with. Be they took me to people I didn't want to be with, and they made me do things I didn't want to do. You know, so give yourself a break, and reach out, and listen to what either this show is telling you, or even an individual like David, who's willing to give you fifteen minutes of his time or more to to help you get on a path to a better you. And that's what it's about. That's all, that's all we're sharing. We're not, we're not out here trying to, um, you know, save the world. We're just trying to give you the individual a better way to be able to put your head on the pillow at the end of the day and said, I did the best I could with what I had. We're just trying to give you a little bit more knowledge so that you can be that much more successful. Well, and to know that you have options. And even if, you know, if you're a family member, you have options too. There, there's always hope. Yeah, and like, and we that's that why we lot, say, but it's true. That's why we say at the end, of, and and it's part of our, it's part of our trademark, it's part of our logo. Hope is in your corner, you know, because with miracles and recovery, we we are all miracles because we are all born. We we are all, you know, not all in recovery, but we can all be working towards that goal, and you know, the path that I took was lessened. Every time I allowed another individual in to help me, it was, you know, every time I said, okay, I'll let you help me or, okay, I'll share a little bit of me with you. It made my journey that much easier. February 28th, which is 11 days away, I'll be fortunate enough to celebrate 29 years clean and sober. And the reason why I say clean and sober is because I have always, I haven't always been of sober thought. Um, my drug of choice was not alcohol, but I would drink like a fish if it was put in front of me, you know. So I, I like to say clean and sober so I can relate to to everyone. Um, there is no, there is no classification of who we are. We're not an addict or an alcoholic. We're a, we're a recovering individual on a journey that we need more positive hope, more positive role models. David's one of those people. Reach out to him. Talkdavid.com. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? There are those who can and those who can learn. 
Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives, and once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health and Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, welcome back to Miracles in Recovery. And I guess I'll say right now, hope is in your corner. We were speaking about that uh, at the end of uh, the last break. You know, and Ellen and I were speaking during the the break and, you know, before the show about the flu. You know, she's not feeling that good. And I remember, and I, I just told her, I said, I, I, when, I, when I got clean, I, I went to different high schools, like for career day and stuff like that. And I shared a little bit about my story. They, you know, and the kids would ask, like, what does it feel like, you know, to be sick from, from, you know, from heroin or, you know, coming down, you know, withdrawals and stuff. And I would say, you know, picture, picture the worst flu that you have ever felt. And Ellen immediately said, oh, well, then I can see why you you needed to do more. And yeah, I mean, well, it was... Well, after experiencing what I've been through today, definitely, it's awful. I cannot imagine having to go through that, you know, almost on a daily basis. Yeah. Right. And that's the, and that's the madness because in, in, a, in an addict's mind, they say, all I need to do is just this little thing and I will be back on E again and everything will be well, somewhat level, you know, and that's, that's, that's chaotic to, to just keep riding that wave. And, you know, granted, I mean, uh, all the other things that we speak about, you know, um, how we got here, like we talked earlier about, you know, the, the feeling less than and, you know, all of that stuff. You know, the most important thing is, is that if you're in the active throes of addiction and you don't see a way out, there always is that way out. I always thought that there was no way out. I always thought that I was destined to ride that train until the last stop. A lot of my friends rode that train to their last stop. I was still on the train, you know, chugging down the tracks, didn't know when my stop was going to be. Fortunately enough, when I stopped, a higher power was there to grab me and a power greater than myself, which was the individuals before me and the certain, you know, 12-step programs to guide me on a new path. 
you know, and, and far too many people don't get to experience anything other than the active use and abuse of drugs and alcohol and, you know, die a sad death, a lonely death, and you don't have to do that. I mean, I'm living proof. There's many a people that are living proof. Ellen, on the other side, you know, the, the loving family member is living proof that you don't have to subject yourself to what it is that this disease does to the family unit. Yeah, it really, it really, truly is a family disease, in my humble opinion. And um, I'm, I'm also very sad today because one of my son's friends, who lived right down the street from us for years, passed away today from an overdose. Uh-huh. And it, you know, it always makes me so sad because it just didn't have to be that way. It really didn't have no, to be that way. It, it, no, it really doesn't. I mean, sadly, you know it. You know, uh, and and it's so hard when there's people like a couple of weeks ago I shared that a uh, you know a childhood friend of mine, sixty one years old, you know the same thing. It doesn't have to be that way. There's 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 families that are tore up from this disease, and and it doesn't have to be that way. But you know, we can only share our own personal path, our own personal journey, um, you know, and we have to count on lawmakers to change things. We have to count on, you know, um, a lot of people to get the message out there that it doesn't have to be that way because for many years, I, I would talk to people who were clean while I was using and they would say, you know, you don't have to do this to yourself. And in my mind, my immediate answer was, well, yeah, I do. You know, and and how do you change that thought pattern in someone who is already already hurting, is already feeling less than, you know, homeless, left, you know, the whole thing? And how do you change that? You just keep showing them and giving them the reassurances that there is a better way. There is a, there is a different way. I don't want to say a better way. There is a different way to be able to combat what it is that you're feeling, to be able to rise up. And, and well, I, I, think I don't you need to know that you're worth it, don't you think? Um, you know, I'm, we... I'm worth the trouble that, it's gonna, that I'm going to have to go through to... To get where I want to be, or or how about we put it this way? How about we put it this way? Because a lot of people feel worth worthless, mm-hmm. you know, while they're out there and they're they you know because the stories that we have spoken to people, they they feel worthless. You know what I mean? They don't have anything to give. They don't have anything oh, yeah. to, uh, um, you know. And and right now, I, you know, I, I'm not going to key on that word worthless and pull this individual in because <laughs> that would be totally wrong. But I have a friend of mine, Tommy, that's on the line. Hi, Tom. How are you? <laughs> I'm well, Ray. I'm well. How are you? I <laughs> good. It just—I was—I was in the middle of what I was saying, and and I got typed. Tommy's on the line, and I went, "Oh man, I can't pull him in on that," but but I have to. So, how you doing, brother? Blessed and grateful. How about you? I uh, hey, you know something? I I, pfft, I I couldn't be better. I couldn't be better. Right. I, uh, Where are you calling? I, where are you calling from, Tom? I'm on my way home. I'm in Quincy at the moment, Quincy, Mass. Yep. Uh, I live in Weymouth now. I had to move. The building I was living in in Southie got sold. So I'm over here in okay. North Weymouth now. 
Nice, nice. Yeah, and how's like recovery it. going up there? Again, you know, Western Grateful. I just left a meeting in Quincy, uh, the Fresh Start group. They meet every Monday night. Commitment came in tonight from uh, another Quincy group, Walk the Talk, and it was, uh, to me, it was outstanding. I heard everything I needed to hear. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing. You know, we, we, we need to, when we were talking about, you know, we are, we are worthy, even though, even though we are feeling worthless and, and helpless and all of that, everyone is worthy of giving themselves a better advantage of getting clean and getting on with being a, becoming a productive member of society. Tom, both Tom and I were, were homeless, helpless, loveless addicts, and now I do a radio show, and Tom, you still working for the T? Yes. Yeah. Yep. See, so I mean, that, that we're, we're productive members of society again. So, you know, you everyone is worthy of giving themselves the benefit of the doubt. Give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Go to a meeting. Talk to somebody who is clean. Talk to somebody who you used to see in the neighborhood that you don't see anymore that has a little skip in their step. They're doing. They're doing something. Yeah, they're doing something to to better themselves, and and that's what it's about. You know, re, recovery is 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 second to none. I wouldn't I wouldn't have my life today if I didn't at least say, okay, I'll try. Man, did it fool me! Daily, it's a daily thing. That's all. You know, right? Yep. Half the effort that we put into chasing the other, just to kind of try to get right or, or feel okay. If we put half that effort into this, the recovery aspect, the reward is, is tenfold. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The reward is tenfold. Without a doubt. I, uh, well, I think that's imagine. an interesting point, too, because it seems to me like it's a great deal of work to go out every day and find a way to get high. I mean, a lot of work. Oh, it's a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why not you know, put some of that energy into a more positive Life. It was a twenty-four hour job. Yeah, finding yeah. ways and means to get more. That's that's all it was yeah. about. As soon as as soon as you were done, you were looking for more immediately. Oh God, yeah. You know, never and, and <laughs> no, no, and like they, you know, all those silly little slogans that I hated. One is too many. A thousand is never enough. Rings so true, yeah. because oh, I know. know. The first time I heard know. that, I was like, wow, somebody really nailed it. Yeah. Sure. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, I, I I'm so grateful today that I have a better aspect of being able to judge things coming at me, and I don't mean judge things coming at me, but I mean to be able to sit back when I when I was using, I was reactive. I reacted to everything that happened around me. Even even in early recovery, I reacted to things because I didn't know any different. Until the people ahead of me just told me to sit, sit there and act. Don't react because reactions get you where you were. And I think a lot of people, what happens is, is they go into unfamiliar situations and all of a sudden the walls go up, the guards go up and they go, oh, that person over there is an idiot and I don't want to listen to that one and that one doesn't know what they're talking about. And what they're doing is they're reacting to what they're hearing. And the sad thing is, is they're selling themselves short. And they're reassuring themselves that they're not worthy enough to be in the presence of the people who are doing, you know, who, who are in recovery. And that's so wrong. Hey, Ray, just 
you know, like I, I got into the conversation. I heard you speaking with this young lady and I heard the word worthless mm-hmm. and not for a second did I think you were talking about me, you know, that in right. itself, the growth that comes with this program and doing the work, you know, um, I see the value in, in myself today. You know, I don't have to look at myself as that person, you know, um, that I was even clean before, you know, um, you can behave that way being clean as you just stated, you don't really recovery mm-hmm. reacting. I've learned to respond to things instead of right. react and mm-hmm. the results again, are just tenfold, you know, it's, I love, I love, love, love being clean and sober. I, and having God in my heart, like that's made the big difference for me personally. And I know that's taboo to some people. I don't mean to offend anybody. No, it's um, okay. But for that's me, okay. it's, it's yeah. a huge difference, you know, having yep. that God that I understand and that I have a relationship with has changed my life immensely. But that's one thing, you know, what you just said about, uh, you know, taboo for people. That's one thing that I had to learn was to allow people to express themselves the way that they feel and that I don't have to react to it. I, 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 I can respond to it with, with hopefully common sense, but I don't have to react to what, what people say. And, and, you know, for the longest time, that was what was keeping me on the outside looking in my reactions. Hmm. Well, hey, yeah. the other thing is with this that we're talking, we don't have to even respond, you know, no. how you think and how you feel, whether it's about me or not, is none of my business. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Able to wrap my head around that has given me more freedom inside and opened my mind to, to you know, hearing new things, too. You know? Right. Well, here's a, here's a new thing, Tom. I just want to drop this bomb on you. <laughs> Come on. The world is listening to you right now. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. I'm all right with yeah. that, you know? Yeah. My, hey, we, we, only my, have about, we only have about a minute and a half left, so I just kind of wanted to throw that bomb into your stomach before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, well, all I can say to the world is sober is better. Clean, Yeah, sober whatever. is better. Sober is better. You know? you have a, don't you have like a Facebook page that says sober is better in Boston or something like that? You know what? I had it with my other account, and I lost access to both of them. I had it though. Oh. Again, I have one on Instagram though. I do have one on Instagram. Oh, you should always you should always have somebody else as an admin so they can let you back in. Uh, I didn't but do yeah, it on no, that got a, one. It was yeah. We got about a we got about a minute left, and uh, thanks, Tom, for calling in. I love you Great for calling in. Point. I love you I even love before you too, that, buddy. and uh, you know, stay safe out there. I will, Ray. Thanks for thanks for having me, and uh, great to hear your voice. All right, great to hear yours too, man. Stay blessed. God bless. All right, bye bye. Ellen, you're still with me, right? Yeah, I'm right here. We got thirty seconds left, so well, say your famous line. Say your famous line. <laughs> in miracles in recovery, hope is in your corner. That it is. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.